everyone. Thank you so much for joining me on this first episode of Pixelated Futures. I'm creating this podcast in the hopes of talking to as many of you as possible who have recently been through layoffs, have been impacted by, by AI, are fearful of the AI future, or maybe you're just trying to get your first job in tech. Times are challenging out there right now, and I empathize with everyone who is struggling to find work. My goal is that through conversations with you, we can better understand how to support one another. We can understand the struggles and the needs that are out there. And through listening to each other, we can gather wisdom and figure out a path forward through all of this. Joining me today is Ryan. Ryan was gracious enough to agree to come on to a podcast that didn't even exist yet. So thank you for that, Ryan. Ryan and I worked together at Relic Entertainment for a short while. He has almost 20 years of production experience, and he was at Relic for two years before they unfortunately went through a round of layoffs back in July. Ryan is still looking for work since then, and he's an amazing person. So please pay attention, listen to him. If you have a job, reach out to him, talk to him. He's a phenomenal, phenomenal producer, and you'd be missing out if you didn't take this opportunity. So I hope you enjoy this conversation, and I hope you can learn something from this and that we can all support each other through all these crazy times. One last thing before we get in the episode, if you end up enjoying this, please like it, share it, subscribe to this. I never thought I would say those things out loud. I am that person now, and that's okay. Also, if you can see yourself in this seat talking to me, showing us who you are, talking to the world, please reach out to me. I need more people to talk to, so don't be shy. Hey, Ryan, thank you for joining me today on this episode of Pixelated Futures. It is the first one, and I'm extremely excited to have you on here. Thank you again for agreeing to come on to something that is like non-existent yet. It is a uh, a plea out like, hey, Ryan, please come join this. I think you're an awesome person. I want to talk to you. So thank you. Thanks for having me. And I'm I'm really happy to just be part of the start of this this journey for you. I hope everything just takes off. I, I hope so, too. And I appreciate that. And it's really I hope it takes off to talk to more people like you, not for me. This is just something I'm doing, you know, on the side, trying to figure out how I can help people yeah. in similar situations or how we collectively can so that's mm-hmm. a bit of a assumption a lot of us are doing right now like what sort of platitudes can i put on linkedin to help these people it doesn't feel like i'm actually you know doing anything but i have seen some really really big community come togethers which has been absolutely mm-hmm. amazing to see on linkedin i'm sure you're part of some of those communities which we'll get into a little later yeah but before we go too deep how are you doing? Like genuinely not the walking by side of the street. Hey Ryan, how are you? But like, how has this been for you the past few months? Um, yeah, it's just been, uh, ups and downs, absolute ro- roller coaster. as, um, someone who, you know, as the older I get, I'm, you know, trying to get more and more in touch with my emotions and not trying to just bury everything deep, but try to be, you know, more open with friends and family. Um, especially this time around, it's not my first rodeo. You know, there's mm-hmm. been a lot of layoffs this year across the gaming industry, tech industry, um, yes. especially, it, it, uh, I can say, I'm sure the data has to say it's, it's, it's crazier than normal. Um, and yeah. yeah, but for me, um, I, even though it's not my first rodeo, it's still a crappy second rodeo. I would say it's, um, a lot of close calls. I had to turn down a job even, uh, that would have been amazing, but it, it's, um, uh, they didn't want remote. They wanted me to move back to Toronto and mm. I like bless them. They worked so hard with me to try and make it work, but it just, it couldn't work. And now that was a couple months ago and now I'm still in the space of like, 
should I have disrupted my family, but I don't want to disrupt my family. I have two sons and a wife who loves her job here. My sons are, you know, uh, like a teenager and almost a tween that are have deep roots here in Vancouver. And so for me, it's like this, there's so many factors of, you know, uh, of trying to grab, do I grab any job now? Um, or do I still try to be strategic and look for the best job for me and my family? For me, I can't be that selfish as a father. So it's just, yeah. there's so many swirling emotions. And sw- and so some days I just, I lie on the couch and I, uh, and I don't do anything. Um, I, I, I don't even have the energy some days to play video games, which should be the escape, but you have that paralyzing anxiety to, um, I should be doing something. So I can't play video games because I should be doing something, but it's too paralyzing to even go on LinkedIn today to look for jobs because I've applied for everything under the sun and there's Mm, nothing new today. I just know it. So um, or to go look at other games companies or whatever that I'm paying attention to. Um, because also a lot of these games companies have just rejected me without even um, letting me talk to them. Even though mm. I have 18 years of production experience, only two years in games, but people um, have seemed to really discounted the rest of my experience, which is unfortunate because um, the company you and I worked at Relic didn't discount that. I think they saw the versatility and the agility, especially um, our our former manager Steve Mele. Really, mm-hmm. I think he did take some risk with me, but he saw that um, uh, there's a versatility and agility with someone who has worked on so many kinds of productions and platforms. So for me, it was um, it's it's very disheartening to know that I have so much experience and I have so much to give and help uh, that I can be plug and play into certain avenues. Like at Relic, I was very plugged into immediately the narrative and audio, um, mm-hmm. but I was immediately branching out uh, and our, our manager saw that, that I could take on other things that weren't um, necessarily in my wheelhouse, but you trust in this person has been working a long time they've problem solved a lot of weird crazy things you know like if you need me to find you a wolf a real live wolf (laughs) to be in a i can find you a wolf a camel i can find you a camel a celebrity i can find you any celebrity you want i know how much morgan freeman costs to get out of bed um like people have come to me with the weirdest zaniest things that i don't know how to do but i do know how to problem solve it so it's frustration depression anxiety some days are really good i've got mm-hmm. interviews out the wazoo i'm talking to people it seems so great and then it's either ghosting or rejection and you're just like what happened there and you usually you have to let yourself know the market is flooded and there's mm-hmm. so many good people out there right now you know um and that i i just lost the race but i'm in the olympics i'm in yep. with good people and I'm happy at the very least I look around and I see a lot of the people that I was let go with uh, when Relic laid off so many of us that so many of them at the very least have been picked up and I'm very very happy about that especially a lot of the people I managed uh, who I obviously had closer relationships with that mm-hmm. they're all getting picked up they're safe you know Good. so yeah yeah that's awesome that's, and- that's how I'm doing <laughs> 
I really appreciate you being open and honest about that. I think it's uh, expected and tough. Wow. And I'm coming from a very privileged place of never being through a layoff. So I know this isn't, you mentioned this isn't your first and I hope it's uh, the last for you in your career. But um, yeah, I want to back up all the way to, for people who don't know you, you come from outside <laughs> of gaming, just like me. Um, yeah. What is that past experience? I, I, I've heard some crazy stories. You mentioned yeah. you've been finding wolves and things like that. So what is this crazy other uh, side of you that's not gaming? Yeah, sure. So I, uh, you know, I'm a film graduate. I thought I'd move to Toronto and get into film. And I failed horribly at that because film, <laughs> like a lot of industries, it was who you know. But I just moved to Toronto in a blind, like somebody give me a job in film. And they just didn't. Um, so I'm very lucky and like so many people starting out anywhere it's can be so much based on luck um i had a friend of mine quit her job at an ad agency and she was like do you want my job and i was like yes because i knew she could have enough money to afford a cab every so often <laughs> and i was <laughs> like I, I was working at a winners at the time in toronto just to make you know make ends meet yeah um and uh, so she, yeah, uh, she got me the interview. I knew how to use Final Cut Pro to be their in-house editor and coordinator for the broadcast department. And I ended up assisting to two uh, great producers and making my way up as a, as a broadcast producer. But this is a long time ago. Uh, so this was before uh, Facebook. Um, mm -hmm. And so digital media was in its infancy um, or tweens, uh, you know, like flash sites were the new hotness and that kind of stuff. So I started uh, training to become an integrated producer and I was one of the first integrated producers or a digital producer. So I was doing both broadcast and digital media, uh, banner ads, flash sites, microsites, uh, Facebook I used to do microsites within Facebook uh, yeah, for yeah. advertising, all that kind of stuff, you know. Um, and it was wild times. And then, um, uh, then I started moving to different agencies. I was at my first agency for six years, but I wasn't getting any money. So I eventually moved to my next agency and finally started That's getting problem. paid, <laughs> uh, yeah. more finally. And, um, and it was nice uh, taking on bigger projects, doing bigger commercials. I started going to Vancouver, which I fell in love with doing car commercials for Volkswagen out here. Um, and uh, yeah, just uh, doing bigger, crazier things. I once had to do a stunt for a guy in nothing but his underwear, hitchhiking from Victoria to Truro, uh, Nova Scotia. Uh, and it was November. Um, and it was okay. for um, it was for Stanfield's underwear, and it mm. was wild. But he raised like twenty one thousand dollars doing it. It was to raise awareness for testicular cancer as well. It was it was a really nice campaign. And so you were traveling across Canada with him. I wasn't. I was so I was the okay. producer at home, at hey. like home home base because we had a microsite tracking him. I sent a director producer out with him uh, to. Um, here comes my friend, uh, uh, a director producer out with him to uh, shoot, edit uh, daily videos that we had to trust that we had chosen yep. the right director for it uh, to just push live without us reviewing. And that was a real wow. trust in him, trust in us and the client had to trust us to say, this guy mm -hmm. knows what he's doing and he knows where to find the comedy bits, the good bits, the charity bits. Uh, and it was good content. It was really good content. We ended up winning a lot of awards for that campaign. 
Um, but winning awards in advertising is like um, uh, being in witness protection. Uh, it's it's like only people in advertising care about awards in advertising. Uh, nobody else. Yeah. You could talk to any other stranger and be like, "Hey, I won a Cannes Lion," and they would have no idea what you're talking about. Um, uh, but they would say, "Oh, Cannes, the film festival." You go, "No, actually, Cannes does other things during the year." <laughs> That's where my brain went. Like, "Oh yeah, the yeah. film festival." <laughs> So, you know, I've I've worked on a lot of brands, all the big brands you've heard of or their competitor, Coca-Cola, Volkswagen, Mitsubishi, um, winners, actually, uh, Netflix and all those. But um, I even ran Gillette for a year, but I don't even like to shave. Uh, so <laughs> for me, it was like, yeah, this is OK. Um, but I... Um, I've always loved games and mm -hmm. none of my clients throughout all those years was ever a video game client and nobody ever wanted to pitch to video game clients because everyone in advertising is just so cool. They only want alcohol and call and, and car brands. And I was like, there's money the in video sell. games, video games. I'd, I'd always tell people video games are going to be bigger than movies and they are by far. Now. now we, now we're here. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And now we're here. And working in games was the best experience I've ever had in in working people. I was finally with my people, the nerds, mm. you know, because I'm yep. such a nerd. And I, uh, I felt that too when I joined. It was, it was a very yeah, similar thing. It was amazing. It was really nice, kind people. Um, I could do my nerdy pop culture references and they would all get it uh, instead of just like trying to act cool in advertising. Um <laughs> I mean, yep. I, I, I know I, I slander advertising a little bit, but um, uh, I, I did meet some really nice, good friends in advertising that I had a lot of fun with. And every day was different. And as a problem solver, mm -hmm. you really appreciate that because uh, it, it always keeps you guessing and it keeps your mind fresh. It's like the daily wordle. You know, you're like, you're doing something new every day. You come in. What's the new problem? Um, you mm -hmm. have to, it keeps your mind fresh. And that was advertising. But I found the same thing with gaming, even though you do your long. Say, that's the same thing. Yeah. You do your, your long format forecasting and all that. But every day something's on fire and you're like, okay, how do I reset this, this table? And it's, it's fascinating. And because it's gaming for me, um, I think I uh, was just invested a little bit more, a little bit more because um, I knew there was a game I got to play on this. And I could sometimes see the immediate turnaround in the audio mm -hmm. department or the narrative department when, you know, uh, one of the amazing designers I work with would say, hey, check out the new VO that I recorded last week is now implemented in the game. And I'd be like, yeah, I, I want to hear it. And it would be in. And yeah, it was it was awesome. Really cool stuff. That's great. So when, like, but yeah. sorry, go ahead. Well, and then and then I transitioned into games, and it was because I was in Vancouver, and I was just, I was like, I'm out here, and I finally, I just, I'm post forty. If I'm ever going to make the change, I've got to do it now. And so mm -hmm. I really started applying hard, and um, I was in conversations with like places like EA and whatnot. But it was Relic that really just stuck out to me for their kindness and their calmness in the interview process. And I think it also helped that some of the people I was interviewing with came from different backgrounds too. They hadn't been in gaming for 10, 15 years. Mm -hmm. uh, and they, it's those people I've interviewed with that have come from those different backgrounds 
um, are the ones who have the most interest in me because they know. They know that having a TV entertainment background um, or a stunts and experiential background uh, is worth a lot. That this person has been um, in the trenches under fire, has dealt with the meanest clients, and that means the biggest egos. And I'm not mm -hmm. looking to do that again, but it means that I've... I've definitely um I've definitely been under fire so I I I know that just I've had the most insane problems like thrown at me and I've I've succeeded on them so um I can yeah. do the same for your game. Yeah, it goes both ways too. It's like the skills transfer from outside of gaming into gaming and if you need if anybody out there is struggling right now, like you can transfer out of gaming, even if it's short term, not saying yeah. that's for you, Ryan, just saying if anybody out there is, is struggling, it's like you're a dev here. You can be a dev somewhere else, too, or you're an artist you're whatever you are, a producer. It's the same hat mm -hmm. in a sense, just different medium. And yeah, I've transitioned into gaming just like you. Um, I come from a developer background in web, mainly in apps coming into at the time Relic was interesting because i'm like i know ui ux i know how to manage projects i know all this stuff but like this is next level like this is next level art mm -hmm. and next level ui and like so many people to coordinate in different teams it was a really cool learning experience yeah. um, and then now where i'm at which is more mobile gaming live operations it feels more like home to me because i'm used to that oh, yeah. live operations like web reacting to funnels and all this like e-commerce sites right. so it feels a lot more in my wheelhouse than like long-term five-year triple a project planning um, right well it's yeah. it, it's interesting you, you bring up like live ops because um i've applied to a few live ops jobs and not even been talked to but hmm. um working in um in web development on a lot of websites a lot of websites over the years and i'm talking these are like the good websites the premium websites websites that win awards uh e-commerce websites uh of all sorts um it's very much a live ops em environment um i was the executive producer to a, pro a product manager uh that built um it was Grocery Gateway, which is a delivery service in Toronto. Maybe it's expanded mm. further out into the GTA. But to help launch a whole grocery delivery service, like locally in the GTA, uh, and have that live ops environment. Um, uh, now, that credit goes fully to James. I'm not trying to say I did a whole lot on that. But to help manage him through that experience uh, is um, experience I also get. Um mm -hmm. And before that, I've I've been the PM on like a complete rebuild of the Mitsubishi.ca website. Mitsubishi comes to us and says, "We need to rebuild the site." They're selling cars on that site. That's mm -hmm. you got it. <laughs> yeah. When when uh, ING Direct became um, Tangerine, I was the project manager who managed the whole bust down and rebuild of that site. Oh, really? That's yeah, yeah, that was my ad agency at the time, John Street, that did handled all of that. And I also did a couple other things around that. And yeah, so maybe I know how to handle live ops a bit. Uh, but yeah, the, yeah, they don't sure. see that transfer. Uh, well, well, not I, that's a blank statement, but the right person should be able to see that transfer of abilities. Um, uh, and that uh, for me, um, yeah, I when we went into the live ops uh, part of Company of Heroes three at at Relic, 
there was no real like, whoa, what are we doing here? This is blowing my mind. For me, this was just a slight shift in 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 the gear set. So Yeah, it's but, a shorter term project planning with analytics yeah. involved, you know, reacting to the actual players That's and it. what do they need now and talking to them and it's it's exactly you nailed it. all yeah. the customer management you've done in the past with your ad agencies, I'm assuming. If you have your, your project management methodologies, and I'm not PMP like certified, this is all stuff I've just picked up over the years, mm-hmm. uh, and I would eventually be sending out PMs to get their PMP certified, and they'd come back and put on their showcase, hey, this is what I learned about Agile or Waterfall or whatever. I'd be sitting there listening. I'd be like, okay, great. Well, that's what I do. Thank God. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so... There. Yeah, but if you if you just trust in your project management methodologies, uh, you're going to do okay, you know, if not great. So yeah, no, this is a shout out now. Give give people a chance who are outside the industry. It's a lot of the same yes. stuff, just different flavor, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so That's give it a it. shot. I think we glossed over. You worked for Lou Lebin. Was that the one where you were traveling yeah. around the world? Oh, I've traveled around the world for all of the agencies I've worked at. Uh, for Lulu, it was actually less travel. I only went down to L.A. once mm. uh, to work with um, uh, uh, Dwight from The Office. He has his own production company called Soul Pancake, I believe it's called. And we did of a course. collab. <laughs> yeah, it's actually very nice. Uh, it's I don't know if it's 100% charitable, but it's all about creating wholesome, good content. Uh, mm. And... Um, so we did a collab with him down in LA and it was all about giving out presents at Christmas. It was, it was really nice, but yeah, no, I've been all over the world. Uh, probably most notable was uh, going to Prague for Gillette to, we didn't have any budget and uh, so we couldn't afford a director, but for the digital content for Gillette. So where they were shooting a TV spot for Gillette with three celebrities and it was Adrian Brody, Gael Garcia Bernal, um and uh, Andre 3000 and um so uh they had the director for the TV spot and then they had another studio set up green screen all that but we couldn't afford a director for the online content which is all interview format stuff so I flew out there I had directing experience uh but we're talking more like unknown actors just like uh, actors and actra union talent so you know professionals but not celebrity talent this is my first time directing celebrities so i directed them i got in the chair and adrian i'd be like hey adrian uh what do you think about fashion and he'd start talking and i'd be like oh my god he could tell me to like screw off right now and i wouldn't know what to do (laughs) it was very intimidating but luckily honestly all three guys were really nice when andre 3000 came on set i remember thinking to myself don't call me adrian don't call me adrian (laughs) And then first thing I say, I'm like, okay, Adrian. Oh, oh no. <laughs> and Andre was so chill. He's just like, it's okay, man. Everyone's been doing it all day. And I'm like, oh, oh, you're so nice. Thank you. So, Please don't leave. <laughs> yeah, it was, um, it was funny. Uh, but it was, going to Prague was a beautiful city to go do a production in. Um, God, they serve beers the size of your head. I don't even drink anymore. But I remember those beers. And me taking the crew out afterwards and being like, okay, everyone, you get one beer <laughs> because yeah, we, still, we still have, yeah, yeah. yeah, we still have work to do. <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah, it was good. Did you, but, did you have family at that? Like kids, your kids at the time or? Yeah. Uh, so I, my second wasn't born yet. Uh, and my youngest, um, 
he would have been just one years old around there. Mm-hmm. So this was, I, I want to say 2011. Um, and that was rough because that was the first yeah. time I had traveled that far for that long. I was gone about a week and a half away from him, I think. Um, and it broke me. It, like, you know, uh, I always considered traveling uh, a perk as sure. part of the job. And often it can still be, but for that long, away from my youngest at that time, when you're still just the bond is so important and mm-hmm. every every day they do something different. So you're missing out on like the mini milestones and all that. And gosh, I, I know I missed something. Uh, maybe he was standing up for the first time or something when I traveled then my wife will remind me. Um, I bet. <laughs> yeah. yeah um, that's tough. That yeah. Makes it, it tricky. Sucked. We, um, we had a company wide summit a couple weeks ago out just in Victoria, BC, which, I'm in Kelowna. It's not that far to go, but even leaving my two kids for, for a week was hard. Like it's just yeah. hard to be away and it's hard to leave all that with my wife too. Or <laughs> I'm like, it sorry, is. please watch the kids. I'll be back in a week. Yeah. But it was uh, so crucial for us to have those sorts of summits being a fully re- remote company. It was sure. It is great to build those connections. Um, when you were at Relic, did you ever end up going back to the office or did you stay fully I- remote? stayed fully remote i would only go into the office for uh you know i'm a team player if somebody needs me in the office for something i'm happy to come in but i only came in for um uh helping out the marketing team with development diaries so to be the Mm. person on camera for i did it for audio narrative and the launch of the console so i think i did three dev diaries in total uh it's funny though because i was the face for the console dev diary and then uh, we were all let go just before console launched so if you go watch here's ryan announcing console launch and then uh, i saw that to launch yeah luckily i still got a key afterwards so i do have it on on console okay Uh, and the console (laughs) launch went very well Mm -hmm. uh, from what i've heard uh everyone was happy with it so i'm glad i I performed well until the last of my days. <laughs> Good. That, I mean, that's all you can do, really. But um, yeah. before we dive deeper into Relic, just so everybody knows, what was your role? Like, who did you oversee? What was your position? Sure. So when I started at Relic, I came in as the narrative and audio producer. So, uh, you know, producer can be such a wide-ranging term. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for me, d- directly, that meant that I was helping the narrative team um like do the standard bug tracking and feature tracking that you do in games but also uh i was briefed in immediately that we needed cinematics and we only had less than a year to get them done and it was a lot of cinematics so for yes. me that was working with external partners finding the right external partner uh because we wanted these uh nicely animated uh turns out we didn't have quite the budget to get them very nicely animated but we did like a 2.5d found the right partner and for what they were and for the time we had and the budget we had, I'm still very proud of those. Um, we got them well done uh, with a great studio who was a great partner. Mm-hmm. Um, then on the audio side, we were very, very far behind. Um, turns out I was like the fourth audio producer to come in. Uh, there was un- just unfortunate like circumstances. I don't know the full story before me, but it, it, we were just very far behind on the audio production front. So I had to just scrap all the plans, redo a complete um, breakdown of what the... U- 
year would look like for when we're doing all the VO sessions, how many we are allowed to do, can we do pickups based on budget, all that, and uh, and get the pedal to the metal and get in, start recording or start casting and recording. Um, and it was a race to the finish uh, to get <laughs> all those voices in. I mean, it's a World War II game with three different armies, all these units. Uh, it was minimum 500 lines each we would be recording mm-hmm. per unit. So... That was wild, but awesome because I love audio sessions so much. I just love being attending sessions. I love attending them in person, personally. Um, but we were recording a lot in London and England, so that yeah, was, I want uh, to call that out because it was like <laughs> Ryan's given this task of like working with people overseas and get it done, and he's working overnight and then coming yeah. to our like producer stand up in the morning and we're like what are you doing here you're literally <laughs> working all night like that work ethic is insane so i wanted to call that out because oh, witnessing that from the outside um it, it was crazy to watch yeah i and for, for for me it was a lot of fun because um you know i just call it earlier in the day i you know call the day by like 2 p.m or something but getting up early is fine by me because my children broke me a long time ago uh so my sleep whatever getting up at 1am was easy uh yep. or uh, and and we stopped those about halfway through because it was starting to run the team like ragged so we started telling our partners minimum 5am records um and the team was happier with that uh and uh our audio partner understood at that point um and uh yeah it was but it, i don't know there's something very nice about coming into this office cozy room dimly lit me with my coffee yeah. and hearing these amazing actors from across the pond just belting out just shouting you know enemy down bah, 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 bah. and you're just like yeah you know like <laughs> It's like yeah, being entertained. Yeah, more, yeah. more. Yeah, it's kind yeah. of, you're just watching this World War II TV show so early in the morning. It's it's great. I I loved it. Um, and being in person for audio sessions is great, though, too, because usually these audio houses like to feed you well. And yes. I'm a man who loves his food. Were you part of uh, pulling Steve in to do the random voiceovers for, like, trailers and things? Like, what was that? I, he got pulled in a few times. I think because Steve is in the office so much, yeah. so Steve, our our manager, uh, and he's outgoing, he's friendly, he's got a good good voice. So uh, we would, uh, yeah, uh, you know, a lot of people are just so busy and they don't want to kind of be bothered; they just want to do their work. Uh, but Steve is kind of like whatever it takes, whatever yeah. anyone needs. So I I love him for it. So grab him, put him in the booth, and he and doing those records would be a half hour at most. So uh, you know, he could belt it out. He he knew what he was doing so he would be a good place he'd be a placeholder voice for our trailers uh, i don't yeah, think yeah. there's any final trailer out there with steve's voice oh, come on <laughs> there should for, be sure for context steve was uh the executive producer of company heroes 3 getting pulled in all these directions and he was yeah. i gotta call you out steve was such a good sport on anything that any of he us was. needed at any point i actually don't know if he was impacted if he's looking for work he grab him, was unfortunately i'm gonna say yeah. oh no um, a lot of us, a lot of good people. And I, I will say that Steve was um, one of the best managers I've ever had. Uh, he led with yeah. empathy, uh, people first attitude um, and, and humor. And uh, you can only ask so much of a manager. And I think he put uh, more in than, than expected. So yes. um, I will always appreciate Steve. I'd follow him into hell. <laughs> Me too. That's awesome. Um yeah. If you don't mind, take me back to the day of the layoff. 
Uh, yeah. Walk me through it. What was that like for you? Well, you know, it was, um, I think as far as layoffs go, it was handled as best as I've seen. Um, and as best as as I've heard, uh, the management at Relic, I will say, uh, were, you know, handled a pile and, uh, or, or handed a, a pile. It's, it's the nature of the business. If a game doesn't sell as well as you hope, you've got to make costs they held out Give for it. as long as 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 they they could uh i've seen companies handle it way way worse uh it, it, for companies i've been in that have done layoffs you know where you just show up one day and half the company's gone and there's not even like there's very just like an email hey boom everyone's gone get over it kind of thing and you're like Ooh, mm. scary uh for for them it was um uh very much uh um uh, they had a meeting that morning. Everyone was invited, and they said, "Unfortunately, we're making these cuts. It'll be um, a lot of people, and then um, you'll get the email if you're cut or not." And then, unfortunately, about a hour later, I got the cut. But it gave us all enough time too, though, in teams to say, no matter what happens, if you're getting cut or not, you know, in our different, you know, uh, group channels, you know, it was a pleasure working with everyone. So. A lot of people don't get even that chance to say goodbye because, mm-hmm. and I, I know a lot of corporations don't like that because it also gives people a chance to get rowdy and say uh, vicious stuff. Um, but that's such a small case because it's also very unprofessional to do. Um, I've never, I, I, like in my almost 20 years of working in an office, I've only seen it once or twice. Yeah. Uh, or, you know, and that's that person's problem. Um <laughs> Because they don't have uh, the professionalism to handle being let go. Yeah, and so, emotions are high, but um, Relic yeah. had great, great company culture. So I feel like you could give that space to, you know, say your goodbyes and know that people were going to use that respectfully. And it's like yeah. the industry is small, especially in Vancouver. If you start yelling, throwing things around, like you don't know where that person's going to land. They might be like, yeah. don't, don't hire that person here. I don't want to work with some emotionally volatile person who's going to freak out at bad news because every day is bad news. Often uh, there's mm-hmm. a lot of good news every day, but we get bad news every day too. And it's about how do you handle bad news, solve it and move on? Cause that's, I mean, that's the role of a producer and project manager is um, taking the bad news, putting out the fire and, everything's okay then you come in the next day what's the bad news today okay well do we delay the game i don't know <laughs> you know like, it's, it's uh yeah but it's it's and and that that's not to be a negative thing that's the that's the art of problem solving that i love um but it can wear other people down um mm-hmm. and you can either choose to be like an old crotchety complainer in this business or say these are my war stories and these are the fun stories or i might even forget this story i always tell people you're not going to remember this problem a year from now so just take a breather take whatever time you need go for a 15 minute walk do you need the rest of the day off just walk away Mm -hmm. um because this isn't going to kill you this isn't even going to hurt you as much as you might think it is right now um this is just a moment in time in a year from now you're not even going to remember this so don't let it get into your emotional memory either just become you know who you need to be in the moment leave take the day off you know the game's still gonna launch um it's that is such a nice way to think of it yeah it's 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 not worth it 
what's worth it is to have fun. That's why we chose games. That's why I chose entertainment overall, advertising. Mm-hmm. You know, while I fell into advertising because I wanted to take a cab somewhere, uh, it was still a form of entertainment that I was very much like, cool, advertising. I don't yeah. know anything about it, but you get to work on cool brands and all that. And, uh, you know, in my 20s, I'd be working on alcohol clients and getting free bottles of Crown Royal and stuff. And, Great. <laughs> I, I, I've said I don't drink anymore, but at, in your 20s in Toronto, that was cool. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, and the perks in games now, I I love the perks I was getting a Relic. I, I got a cool backpack. I got a cool shirt, a hoodie. The whole Sega library on Steam. I still uh, yeah. And you, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I still need to play through all of uh, Yakuza. My God, yeah, that's me, like six too, games. I've heard. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't everyone played it, but my team was actually talking about it the other day. I'm like, I guess I have to try this. Yeah, everyone says it's the best, but I don't know. I'm still playing World of Warcraft, and that takes up most of my time. And Spider-Man 2 came out today, or tomorrow. This week. Some, it comes sometime. out this week, and reviews are insane for Spider-Man 2. I gotta, I gotta pick that up. So. Yeah, yeah. I feel like we, as uh, creatures of habit, always go back to our comfort games. Like, there's all these new launches that come out all the time, and it's like, I'm going to go back and play WoW. For me, I, I still play yeah. Age of Empires 4 every night. <laughs> that's my, that's my <laughs> thing. It's been in my life forever, like, since the first nice. Age of Empires. So I followed it all the way through. was one of the reasons I was watching Relic for roles, was like, I want to work there. Um, yeah. I know they didn't make those original ones, but they were making Age of Empires 4. And I'm like, okay, if I could get there, that'd be amazing. Yeah. Um, so that, that's my uh, guilty pleasure i go back to like one round every night just to get pissed off before bed you know (laughs) rts action can't sleep because when i close my eyes all i can see is my little units running around yeah it's great great for my health that's that's how i i feel about wow it's like i i'm a mount collector so Mm. all time i spend is usually just getting another bit of traction towards getting a mount and yeah on my server i'm number 21 for amount of mounts collected uh, out of like you know thousands of players say we need that so. out of if there's only 25 other people on that server <laughs> yeah. i don't know <laughs> uh, it's a dead server though so no uh yeah, yeah so i was uh pretty happy with that i have like i don't know how many it's over 700 that's mounts. amazing that's a lot wow okay um yeah. back to the layoff i'm sorry to keep taking you there i just want to walk through yeah. the day so you get this email you have to sit there an hour you're mm. you're, you're chatting with your team probably saying your goodbyes yeah. you get the email What's your next step? Well, you know, I had a wonderful um, art director I worked with a long time ago in advertising who said, you know, you haven't made it in this business until you've been fired at least once. No, twice. Uh, And I was like, and at the time I'd never been fired or let go. And I was like, ah, that's terrible. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. never going to get fired. I'll just keep being the golden boy and working so hard. And, um, but then it just comes and, and it sucks, but because I've got the age and the experience, um, you know, for me, it was like, so it goes. Um, it is, it is what it is. Uh, but for me, I immediately started looking towards, you know, the people I'm closest with at Relic and, you know, if this is their first experience, how are they taking it? Mm. Um, I wanted to make sure that they were landing a little more softly than, uh, because um, it's still a terrible thing. It shouldn't be discounted. You know, a layoff is better than being directly fired for bad performance or something. Um, and it shouldn't be taken personally. But it's still a loss of a job. It's a loss of income. There's an immediate fear. Um, 
I'm glad that Relic gave us all a very good severance package. Um, good everyone, yeah, everyone across the board, um, I believe, got a very good like like severance package. Um, and because they said that publicly, uh, well, privately within the, the the communications, but it was an email out to everyone. So mm-hmm. it's not like they just messaged me privately, Ryan. They said, "Hey, Ryan, you got the million dollars." No, I didn't get <laughs> but it was it was nice that they did that because they didn't necessarily have to. Um, mm-hmm. um, but again, they were empathy first. So I knew that they tried very hard for us. Um, but it's still, for me, it was about reaching out, trying to help how I, how I could, you know, Hey, you need a reference. I'm there for you. Absolutely. Uh, and not just to my direct reports, but, to just people I was closer with. And then eventually as this all kind of, as the smoke started to clear, I started making more connections with the other like relicans that I had worked with, but uh, not directly. It was just people in other departments that, while I was you know working a lot across department, I might not see them every day or even every week. But mm-hmm. making those connections, seeing how they're doing, you know, can I support them? Some were reaching out to me. Hey Ryan, I always remember you were doing those funny comments and chat and stuff during meetings, so I thought I'd yeah. reach out and connect. I'd be like, oh, thanks for the connect what do you need? You know, I'm, I'm, uh, and they'd ask me, what do I need? And I said, a job, give me a job. <laughs> uh, but yeah. yeah, it's just, um, it was really nice to see how relicans afterwards were very supportive of each other. I didn't, I don't think I saw one person just completely explode and blast relic or anything like that afterwards because it was handled as best as that situation could be, but it's, it's still a dark, period and, and mm-hmm. a dark thing to happen um but uh yeah and luckily everyone there was so skilled that i'm seeing them all getting picked up yeah i've seen some some big wins this past couple of weeks for a few of them so that's really really encouraging to see even if it's yeah. uh, a little crazy out there right now yeah. on that note you got boots on the ground what is it like out there trying to land a job get an interview have you had um, interviews have you had offers what's that looking like yeah, I've I've had a lot of interviews, um, and typically, it, uh, I would say where most of the interviews stop is at the recruiter. Um, uh, to get past the recruiter is difficult because I and mm-hmm. I know what it's like because I've had to do recruitment at studios where I've worked where we didn't have recruiters. Uh, so it's me doing the recruitment as the head of production or head of operations or something, and. Uh, so I, I know, I get it. It's a real hustle and it's very stressful. Um, but I understand why I'm not getting past the recruiters because then they just send me off with their notes to, um, like the head of production, head of production can only see that two years of gaming experience I have. And I'm immediately discounted because Ouch. I, I get it. I'm being put up against other producers who have as many years of experience as I do. Um, but it's all in games versus, you know, my only two years in games, but then 18, maybe going on 19 soon, years of full production experience. They don't see the versatility that I, I bring. Because when I was at Relic, I was very often putting up my hands or helping other team members solve problems in other departments for the unknown, for the things that haven't happened before, mm-hmm. or how would you even start here? And there's always that quiet moment in a meeting where someone's like 
uh, where a senior manager or someone is like, here's the problem identified and then nobody wants to pick it up, yeah. you know, uh, and it could be, they don't know how, I'm not sure who it should be assigned to. But for me, I, um, either I'm happy to pick it up or I'm happy to assign it out because I know how it can be solved or where to start to solve it because I've solved so many different weird things. Yeah. Um, and as technology changes, I never want to be left behind. So I'm continuously educating myself on what's new, what's weird, what's out there. Um, I spend, you know, a large part of my days just reading, um, you know, a lot of technology forums, technology subreddits or um, articles, you know, about AI and um, filmmaking technologies and, and, and whatnot. So it's just, for me, it's it is definitely disheartening that I can't get to the lead producer to talk about, or you know, to the hiring manager to talk about the role and to sell uh, and yourself. I, yeah, because when I have, then I've got a higher chance of moving forward and mm -hmm. a much higher chance of moving forward through the the whole thing. And to the point where I've had an offer, then they wanted me to move to Toronto and. I just couldn't because of my family, as I mentioned. But yeah, uh, then I was I was right around the corner from another offer, but they um, they uh, unfortunately um, another person came in that was just better for the role at the last minute due to th their company. This uh, uh, another company had just laid off a bunch of people, and they're like, "Oh, we used to work with this person. We we want him." Um, and we're going to bring him in, in instead. And I was like, well, what can you do there? You know, yeah, I get that it. Stuff. Uh, yeah. it just happens, you know, but that's how the market is being flooded so much as well. Like it's, I'm in a lot of competition with a lot of people who have technically more game experience than I do. Um, and so I yeah, just got to keep plugging away. You do have to wonder how many of these systems are automated too, where, you know, you have to check off the like two years and it just boots you out. It's like, yep. oh, two years and that's not enough. And you're like, but 17 of production, like you almost yes. want to lie in a sense at that point. Like it's not direct gaming, but it's experience and it's real. So that's. And, and that's the question too. Do I lie or not? Because I don't want to like get an argument later, but mm -hmm. I don't want to be just scrubbed out because of a AI system either it's a little unfair give me a chance mm -hmm. um but you know what i do is i then i try to connect and message who i believe to be the recruiter you know just yeah. by, like looking through linkedin say okay this seems to be the recruiter hi x i've you know i've applied for the role because for i follow a lot of recruiters on linkedin in the gaming community and a lot of them will kind of generally have some of the same opinions on what to do and that seems to be standard is once you've applied for a role just shoot them a message you might not get a reply but it can they might work. have read it yeah yeah um although today i just had to withdraw a connection request that was like three three weeks old because <laughs> oh, yeah, this, yeah. this person didn't want to connect with me and that's fine i not yeah, it's it's tricky hurt. on all sides. I don't know what the I don't know what the right solution is because yeah, I'm involved in hiring a lot, a mm -hmm. lot of resume reviews and things like that. You want to give people like your full attention, and then you have hundreds of resumes sitting in front of you. And you're like, okay, how do I go through each of these and give like my full everything to this? And like, we do have to say at the start of the process, what are the filters yep. on this applicant? Because we can't 
we can't talk to 5,000 people like, and that is a yeah. problem I, I would love to figure out how to solve, but it's, it's really tricky. So maybe a space where AI could help as long as we don't introduce these biases and, and issues around that. I think there's a big problem there, but humans can't review that much information. It's definitely challenging. I'm not defending the side of the recruiters, but it is. No, I, and it's I will defend the recruiters. Sure. So I, no way am I blaming them because they do have that problem of how can we read every resume fully to the extent and, you know, really uh, understand everything and how it applies when it's so much easier just to see somebody who is an immediate fit. Oh, mm -hmm. well, this person's an immediate fit. Yeah, you go in the pile. Yeah. Um, so I get why I'm being discounted. I just, uh, it's it's frustrating. Uh, and that's why I'll, I'll always say it's, um, in any business, it always applies to the same. It's uh, It helps with who you know. It does. Um, and personal connections. So I have been trying to utilize those. And for some of them, they've gotten me far. Um, absolutely. And I thank those people for getting me that far, even though the jobs didn't pan out. Do you think remote work is impacting these connections with networking, especially for like new grads out of school? I know some of my deepest connections were with people I worked in office with in like my co-ops or like my first junior roles. And I don't have this like concern. I love remote work, but like I have this concern of these new people coming in and we're telling them to network and they're like, how I'm like, I've stared <laughs> at a screen every day. I do my job because I'm a junior. I don't have like yeah. cross-discipline communication that often. I don't talk to these other people. They get laid off and they're like, uh-oh. Yeah. Um, I will say definitely there's a percentage point that that factors in there that will say, yes, it, it, it does factor. Um, what it is, it's, it's hard to say, but I mean, back in the day for me, it used to be to network. You would go to parties uh, mm -hmm. in, in Toronto every Thursday. Some production company is holding a party. Uh, it's open bar, DJs. It's nuts. People are just getting blasted. Uh, but everyone, you know, from all the ad agencies show up. And it's not just the creatives. It's producers, account people. They're for the uh, free apps, free foods, craziness. Uh, but you'd network, you know. You'd, everyone get into a little, you know, hey, what are you doing? Hey, I, and I could get a job doing that. Mm -hmm. uh, move on to my next job because I got to know people. I got, uh, and not just the agencies, but all the different production companies. I, uh, uh, they'd all just be like, hey, give us some work. What are you guys working on? We're like, oh, we got Volkswagen now. Oh yeah, you need some. You need an editor for that. Uh, and that's how it worked in Toronto for the longest time. I can't even say that's. Uh, well, I do know they, they're still holding some parties now post COVID. Uh, they've returned. Betcha COVID really disrupted that. But how yeah. this new g generation, the new um, zillennials? I don't even know what we're Gen, calling Gen them. Z. Well, there's Gen uh, Z, but then there's even younger, and I don't know what. Yeah, they're there's even them. younger now. They're starting to filter in. They've grown up in a very disconnected society where they don't like to pick up the phone and call people. You know, everything's texting. I and I get that. So for them. But I do feel like they might even have better skills than we would of how to connect and be braver to send a direct message and mm -hmm. cold messages. Uh, but for me, I have no problem picking up a phone to um, – and this comes from someone who's pretty introverted. Yeah. I can be extra, extroverted by day doing these things and mm -hmm. being in meetings, but – I have a pretty small battery and by the end of the day, I'm very exhausted and my wife can't get me out of the house. But, 
um, this 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 new generation. I know that like I definitely prefer re- remote work. It's just better for my mental health. Mm-hmm. But I'm not making the connections like I used to. Yeah. Uh, and within within the office, um, no, I don't think I made work connections like I used to. But on the other hand, I don't feel a loss about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Good question. Yeah, it's a, it's it's a thing that's in my mind a lot, and there's no real answer for it. But it is definitely something that I'm I'm curious about. Um, have you been to any of like the? There was some events I believe in Vancouver for like hiring, but there's also like game conferences and things like that. Are those things that are on your radar that you might attend to network or? Um. So I did go to the big hiring one uh, that uh, that everyone at Relic and a bunch of other games companies went to at the mm-hmm. start uh, it was but a month after we all got let go i think um that was nice to see everyone and i was so old school i'm a little embarrassed about it but i was like handing out my resume and stuff like got paper printed out and that's great and, so, and, and some of the hiring booths were like what is this you. and they didn't know what to do with it and i was like does nobody hand out paper resumes anywhere and i was like, oh, like here's so my qr old. code can you scan this yeah. on my phone like i should have dyed my beard you know and come in with my skateboard hello fellow kids you know like just yes. be a little younger i felt any better yeah i felt old uh but it was nice to actually like some some of the people i ran into were my direct uh reports from relic that um i hadn't even met in person so it was mm. nice to meet them and uh and uh meet them in person and that was really cool. But as for other events, um no, I haven't attended anything because a lot of the other events I find are geared towards um how to start in the industry. How to uh. it, like intro to the industries. And unless there's other ones I'm I'm just I just don't see or I don't have an eye on. Uh and I don't want to like um I don't want to dishearten young developers where it's like hi i've been around for 18 years and i don't have a job and they're like oh i have nothing to look forward to <laughs> i'm like well no 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 it's uh, uh, i'm a special case or, or you know like it's uh i don't want them to be thinking like that that it's a great industry to get into there's a lot of fun to be had um because i well uh, what i'd like to mention is that i have three siblings they're all wonderful and they have very difficult jobs. You know, my mm-hmm. older sister uh, worked in the ER as a nurse in Thunder Bay, which is the murder capital of Canada. Just oh, wow. one of the worst ERs as far as, like, stress you can work in. You know, my little sister works in um, a juvenile deten- detention facility in Alberta, where you're literally dealing with, like, murderers who are just... I want to say getting away with it and going back yeah, out yeah. to the streets afterwards because they're juveniles mm-hmm. um, and how bad that is on your brain after a while. And then my brother is an insurance adjuster, which is like the worst form of customer service you can work. Uh, yeah. And, you know, so you're telling people they're not getting their 15 grand because they didn't get the right kind of insurance. Mm-hmm. Uh, people get really angry at them. Um, but for me, it's like, I'm working in entertainment. So even though there's bad days, like the spell of not having a job, my worst problems are still fun problems to have. So take that for what it is. We get to live in a world and a society where we're making games and entertainment. And that is such a blessing. Mm -hmm. So 
Anyways, that being said, going to these like intro to gaming groups, uh, I don't think they're for me, but uh, I'd love to know more about any sort of like uh, um, mixers. Yeah, we'll call even like I was thinking <laughs> even games conferences, you know, even releasing like where we talk about the latest games and like E3 or whatever it's called. I'm mm-hmm, going to butcher mm-hmm. this, but like those sorts of, I know they don't like seem Gamescom. like networking events, but like yeah. if they're well, close and in Vancouver, it could be worth it. That's a, uh, Yeah, I don't know of any in Vancouver though. Like, like going to Gamescom yeah. would have been awesome, but you need money to travel. And That's right true. now, without a job, I probably shouldn't be spending money. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't sure what uh, the Vancouver scene was like there for that, but... Yeah. yeah. Um, on your last point too, my, like I mentioned to you before this, uh, my wife is a drug and alcohol counselor for middle and high schools and that is a heavy job. So yeah, I get it. Yeah. Like I come home and I'm like, Oh, this thing happened. And she's like, I had a craziest kid in my room. Like, okay, never mind. My thing's fine. You know? <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. Not to discredit you know? my emotions, but like, it's just the perspective is so different. I'm like, Oh yeah, I get to like make cool things for a living. I don't get to make it. I watch other people, but I help them make <laughs> what yeah. they need to make We're and that the makes support. me feel good yeah yeah <laughs> exactly uh, and that's fine yeah so well you know my my wife used to be a child and youth worker at a mental health facility and she had stories too <laughs> and i was just like well today a creative yelled like yelled at me because i said we didn't have enough budget <laughs> and she's like that's nice okay that's well, nice a 16 year old like like came at me with a brick today and i'm like oh yeah okay interesting <laughs> yeah i i do want to touch on like it's i i don't think it's your responsibility to shelter anybody from the realities of the entertainment business because i think it is a hard one to be in but it is rewarding so i think exactly what you said is a great message of it's hard but it's super fulfilling but there is going to be these times of turmoil and uh difficulties yeah what uh, what i would never say is to anyone though suck it up uh mm, yeah. well you know what that's not entirely true because i did used to say things like that when i was a <laughs> Uh, a much worse manager because sure. I used to be told that I used to be mm-hmm. told you need a thicker skin. You need to suck it up. This is just the way it is. You know, people can be abusive. People can have big egos and they're just like that. But because they're creative directors or they're more senior than us, uh, they're more important than us. They get to do that. And um, I would, I'm not proud of that manager when I was first starting out. Um, but I've worked very hard over the years to unshackle myself from those practices. I've taken management courses. I've taken a lot of other courses for like diversity and inclusion for empathy, leading with empathy. Um, uh, it's not to say I didn't have empathy before, but it's, uh, you kind of put on a mask when you Mm -hmm. go into your job. I guess, and it's how to uh, be more your your true self. I, I just want to be me. I don't want to put on a mask anywhere I go. I just want to be Ryan, um, a loving person, and how to just continue to be that uh, while performing my duties as a manager. But I want to put kindness and empathy in front of everything I do. Yeah. Um, and in doing that, how can I make bad decisions? Um, it might be worse decisions kind of for the business financially, but if I'm protecting people and I'm working with people, um, I think in the long run, it's a better gain, you know, it's a better retention. It's, yeah. um, and, uh, you're making those relationships last longer. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. That's the hat we wear as managers is that balance of best for my employee and trying to still make it best for the business. But I do think that philosophy works yeah. like 
invest in your mm-hmm. people, they will produce yeah. the best thing they can and stay as long as they're yeah. happy. So that's mm-hmm. a a good way to look at it, I think. For these uh, last few minutes, well, we have 15 minutes. I want to talk to you a bit longer, but I do want to kind of segue into you've mentioned you're looking at new tools, technologies. AI is the hot topic, the buzzword these days. Yeah. It used to be Web3. Now we're into <laughs> AI. Oh, um, I'm invested more than most. So I think I'm skewed when I'm like, this is top of mind for me, but I'm curious how top of mind is AI for you? And what are you seeing oh, out there right now? It's constant. Uh, every, every day, I'm uh, very worried about AI uh, because as much as... Um, as much as I want AI to be uh, the next big thing to help and support humanity, and I'm going to get very lofty for a second. Please do. Um, AI right now is not doing for humanity what it needs to be doing. AI needs to take away um, our our labor, our work uh, that is uh, pushing us down, that is hurting us, and leave us the opportunity for what makes us human, which is art, play, and sport. Um, you know, the things that we should be working towards um, a, a utopian society. And I think humanity, we as a whole, have lost sight of that we're all actually supposed to be working towards utopia. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're also just caught in the minutia of it that we're letting the AI take over our art, play, and sport, and we're still stuck in the labor, and we're doing all of that. Um, and uh, AI should be a tool used to help you know help people who might not have the ability to do art help with art uh but art can be learned uh you know a lot of people say oh that person just has natural talent i can tell you as someone who uh went to two different post-secondary art colleges you know i went to sheridan for art uh that art can be learned it can be taught um and some people are you know are born uh with more of an inclination to just want to be good at it and learn and pick it up quicker for a variety of reasons, uh, Mm -hmm. like I was, but it can absolutely be taught. It's just, you have to have the dedication to it. Just like sport. Some people are born with naturally better fit, better bodies, uh, but you can learn how to go kick a soccer ball. Mm -hmm. And this is the play that can't be taken away from us. Um, but if one day we're all sitting around watching uh, battle bots uh, that are playing soccer and all that, that's that's what's the point? What have we done when we're still working in factories? Now people will be like, yeah, but they're going to take our jobs. For me, on the lofty side, is like let them take the jobs so long as we put a basic universal income in place. Yeah. Uh, yes. And then eventually, one day, remove all money. You know, mm-hmm. you know uh, because I think aliens are looking at us, being like, money. What are you yeah, doing? This what? is why we're not talking to you. <laughs> this is why sure. we want nothing to do with you. This is why we're just studying you like your like your cattle to us. Yeah. Um, but it, like that's that's very lofty. But in the very immediacy, um, I was shown a demo last year of uh, what AI can do for audio, you mm-hmm. know, like something like something very like tangible. And it was um, doing one voice record. That's, uh, you know, you get like somebody in a booth and you do their one set of audio. And then you can use AI to alter their voice into all different accents. Mm -hmm. And it was British accent, Indian accent, Chinese, and anything you need, 
and you could even alter them to be, uh, let's say it was a, a female recording, you, you could do a male recording, all these different accents again. And it was very close. I want to say it was like 95% close. There's only some fracturing here or there, uh, but it was like very good. And it was actually, this technology was used in a video game called The Ascent, which is like a cyberpunk mm. yeah. shooter game. Uh, because, And I get why The Ascent would need to use it technology like this it was a smaller indie game that a lot of voiceovers a lot of different voices and they didn't use it for accents necessarily they used it i believe for like these different creatures and monster kind of cybernetic monsters in this but i think for people who don't for bigger studios at the very least and i i, I want to say for everyone um you're taking money from actors doing this and that if you're going to do this, if you're going to record one actor, but you don't have, um, uh, and then you realize in post, oh boy, you know what? Maybe I, I want a British version of this too. Pay that actor again. Pay them for the session that they should have had to record. Mm -hmm. um, because you've just taken money out of that artist's mouth, essentially. Yeah. Uh even if it's and and we shouldn't have contracts, let's say, for any sort of alteration or use, uh, it should be like and any alteration or use, you get another session fee. Um, it's, uh, yeah, I don't like ripping off artists, uh, and that's what the industry, all the entertainment industries are currently. We see it with SAG after right now are trying to do. Um, and I don't support it. I don't support it at all because I don't like the idea of like, I used to be a freelance concept artist uh, doing designs for like movie studios of monsters and zombies and whatnot. I don't like the idea of me drawing a zombie for someone and then them taking my art that they paid me a couple hundred bucks for. And then um, using AI to alter it a bunch of times into a whole bunch of different kinds of zombies and me being like, Oh wow! You just created a whole army of zombies out of my art, yep. and you created a whole show out of it, or something. And I get what? And everyone—I don't know. It's uh, it's uh, it's gross. Yeah, yeah. That is the big challenge, and exactly what you said too is like we get to choose where we put this, and we're putting it in the wrong places. But mm -hmm. also capitalism. So <laughs> it's it's capitalism. That, eh? That's the driver. I mean, the cat's out of the bag. People are going to use it. And I'm not against capitalism, but in this context of AI, it's tricky. The conversation gets really tricky. It's yeah. Like I think I don't know if I had to predict. Like AAA big studios are probably going to be the way of the dinosaur. We're going to have these smaller teams who can produce AAA content with like. 10 people and that actually kind of sounds exciting as long as everybody's getting compensated fairly we're not doing it unethically but to be able to produce these big titles with a small team sounds really cool and hopefully like i think it's going to be a really hard transition period where that breaks up but hopefully it creates more jobs because there's more of these smaller studios doing this stuff but in the meantime it's going to be this really awkward triple a studios breaking down and then these other studios spinning up i don't know that's just a prediction <laughs> I have nothing to base that in other than my gut feeling, but it seems like that's where things are going to head as people adopt these tools. Um, yeah. And it's going to be tricky to keep that ethical and fair for the people who put up the, the first efforts, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, and it's the ethics of it. You know, it's uh, we have no right to use people's faces without their 
permissions. Uh, but it's also forcing people into these per permissions without them fully understanding what that entails and for how long for perpetuity, mm -hmm. uh, for just a little bit of money. Um, uh, it's taking advantage of also people that uh, are non-union is uh, the ethics of it doesn't sit right with me. Um, and also the ethics of, you know, for instance, with AI generated art, uh, AI generated animation, where are we sourcing all this content from? It's from people who never agreed to it mm -hmm. um, and they're not getting paid for it. And then this AI spitting out imagery that looks almost exactly like theirs uh, or takes elements from. I mean, when we look at music sampling, we know that people who have their music like sampled sh typically and should be legally paid for it. And when they're not, they get sued. Famously, uh, who's the Verve sampled, um, I want to say Rolling Stones or somebody for Bittersweet Symphony. Oh, yes. Um, and they don't make a dollar off of that because they went ahead and, and sampled um, uh, that song for Bittersweet Lake, Lake Symphony without permission. And um, I think it's Sting, actually. And uh, they, no, Sting got sampled by Puff Daddy for, mm. um, what was that Puff Daddy song? Anyways. There's so um, many of them now, it's hard to keep track yeah. of all of the Anyways, like, old yeah. stuff coming new again. But you, 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 know, you have to pay to sample. And that's what AI art is not doing mm -hmm. and AI and animation. And that is um, only because it's a brand new technology and nobody has put any rules and regulations in. Yes. Hopefully that's coming. I think even when all the people creating these tools are saying, please, like I know some of them do that for show. They want to look like the good guy and say, please regulate me. But some of them genuinely like, no, please, like we need mm -hmm. to slow this down. <laughs> like we need to yeah. figure this out as a society. So we don't end up in that world where we're doing all the factory jobs and not the fun ones. Like I want to do the yeah. fun ones. Yeah. Um, like I, and I love and support everyone working in factories and warehouses. Like yes. our society runs off of your backs. Yeah. But Thank you for clarifying that. I didn't mean to downplay their roles. Yeah. At all. <laughs> no. Uh, but wouldn't you all love to just be out playing sports or doing art and just playing now mm -hmm. if if uh so if your job is made redundant um but you know we say now you've got a basic universal income uh we took away your job but now you just get to play that sounds so much better mm -hmm. because ai took your job not ai took your job and now you're out on the streets yeah and now you know you're on skid row but that's the way it can very much potentially go right now mm -hmm. and we need that support system in place um before it happens not after it happens not after when I mean, people have been on the streets for so long because um ai took people's jobs but right now we don't have that support like, we have very bad support systems in in, in place yes I, and we see that see. every day yeah we see I that mean, in many many a, ways take a drive downtown in vancouver and just mm -hmm. get very depressed yeah even in a smaller city of Kelowna, we're like 200 20,000 right. people. We have a tent city downtown. We have yeah. huge problems with uh, homelessness and people that need support and drug addiction. And I don't think that's going to get better unless we do AI things like you said. Planning to make any of this better? <laughs> no, I don't see it happening. I, mm -hmm. I I wish. And AI should be the plan to make it all better. I mean, I'm a big Star Trek fan, and in a lot of Star Trek stories, they get to a planet. It's all run by AI. It's utopic, and you go, yeah. "That's awesome." AI takes care of everything. Take care of care of their food sometimes it gets a little dark and the ai goes crazy 
But We've seen those movies too. <laughs> we've seen those movies too, but in a you know, if we work towards utopia, that's what we've just got to do. That's what we've forgotten about. Yeah, for sure. On the note of producers, do you see AI coming into your role, and in what ways? Um, I don't want to put plant seeds in your head, but I see it more from like the physical project management, like moving tickets around, writing tickets, like that side of the work. Yeah, will most likely be augmented in some way. But what are your thoughts? Yeah, I've I've thought about that a lot and um I think somebody smarter than me will figure it out on how to get AI to read and process that because I'm you know, I'm reading about how AI is uh getting better than doctors at diagnosing, you know, uh like medical issues. Mm-hmm. And you're like, okay, well if AI can do that, then they're gonna be able to learn how to prioritize bugs better than I can, I guess. <laughs> sure. Um but uh what I haven't seen is anyone even talking about that or that burgeoning technology yet. Uh, and when it happens, are we made redundant or what do we have left? And for me, um, that's a, that's a technical skill, but a project managers, producers still have a lot of soft skills mm-hmm. um, that uh, because so much of our job is what handling Murphy's law and AI doesn't handle Murphy's law very well. No. Um, <laughs> It, it can uh, take what it's got and solve that problem. But what you have every day is something else on fire that can't be predicted. Just getting the console to launch and getting all the right people in the room to talk through all the different wires that were getting crossed because of um, so many different regulations and rules uh, was a nightmare. Um, and it took weeks to untangle it. And I don't see AI knowing who has what skills to get into what room to talk about things um it was it's real detective work and Mm -hmm. um i don't see ai replacing that uh before i retire anyways and if it does cool give me a universal basic income (laughs) yeah and and i think from my perspective if that like tedious project management moving tickets around site goes away i'd be happy like there's so many other places i'd like to focus my attention and and with people and process with the team and not like, Oh, is this ticket defined well? And does it have all the criteria from that document over there? <laughs> That's just yeah. work you have to do. Uh, for, for instance, I was heavily involved too in the casting of all the audio uh, and all the actors. And that is a creative process that is um that's very uh su- subjective not objective and ai takes a very objective look at things so for us it was like you know we'd get five of us you know a couple of the audio designers the head of audio the writer and myself and we'd be like okay who does everyone like for this in- infantry unit and we'd all have slightly varying opinions and then after a half hour of talking each other through the likes and dislikes we'd narrow it down to like the one and it yep. might not be the one that started off at the at the the top of the half hour and we'd be like okay cool this is our select yeah ai would be like this meets certain criteria pick and you're like no that's not and uh, you know but we through a group consensus and a group chat uh, like, fi- like, fi- like, figured it out, and we were all happy walking away from that. And that, that's for a variety of reasons. Not only do we think we picked the best one, but now we also have an argument to say to senior management on why there was a, a why this one was was picked. Yeah. We have the data for it, and um, because you'll often be asked by senior management, "Hey, why was this, this decision made?" Because they've got people to answer to 
as as well, all the way to the top. So they want that data. They want that status report. They need that 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 re- report. When you ask AI, why did you choose that? It'll give you just some garble. Yeah, it might it might just hallucinate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It'll be like or typecast. I, I don't know. I am robot. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> yeah. Um, we're getting close to the end. I did want to end this on maybe a more personal. Yeah. Question to you, and if you don't want to get into it, that's fine. But I think it's really important. And you blew my mind the other day with a LinkedIn post about your son, um, mm-hmm. talking about one of your children. I'm sorry, I don't know which one has a facial difference and how that's portrayed mm-hmm. in gaming and. Yeah. Unfortunately, I never thought of that before until your post, and I, it actually really resonated with me. And I want to bring that up here to anybody who's listening. Like, what is your perspective on this? Yeah. So my youngest son, Desmond, um, it was a real life changing experience when um, we discovered that he would be born with a facial difference, and so he was born with a bilateral cleft lip and a cleft palate. And a bilateral cleft lip is a cleft lip here and a cleft lip here. Mm-hmm. And then a cleft palate, which means he doesn't... And it was a full cleft palate, so he had no palate whatsoever when he was born. And um, he had a very difficult birth, because on top of that, my wife had a very serious issue with her womb um, and placenta. So mm-hmm. he had to be born six weeks early as well. Uh, so he was just a hot mess. Sure. Anyway, so uh, when he came out, his uh, gosh, I forget the name of the plexi or something like that. Is this bone was pushed up over here over his nose? He had to have devices of all sorts to for the first year. The tape and plastic devices made by sick kids to like push. It's like a brace for the face to push mm-hmm. the bone back into place until he could be stitched up, and then. Um, he had over 200 stitches to graft tissue from his cheek to his palate. Oh, and, poor kid. Yeah, just a, what a life. Yeah. Um, but, um, he was deaf because of this for the first couple of years of his life. Um, so he has a speech impediment, um, these days. Uh, some people find him difficult to understand what he's saying. Um, but he's been working on it. He has speech th- therapy, uh, every week. Um, and for me, I had to work with myself immediately to go, I am having a son that will be disfigured. And that's a very ugly word and something I've since stopped saying a very long time ago because it's, um, very unkind. Mm -hmm. Um, and he's not disfigured. He is just... Um, his own beautiful self. And I immediately, when he was born, I didn't think that anymore. Um, and I know every parent thinks their child is beautiful in their own way. Um, and I only see that, but I wish the rest of the world did too. And I know some do, but I know others don't because when we take him out, not so much these days, um, but people would stare. Um, and they always stare. Uh, these days, uh, he has two scars right here, but he has a very flat nose, um, because he has no structure in his Mm. nose. Okay. Um, and he's starting to notice he's 10 and, uh, he, um, he likes to wear his mask to school when nobody else is wearing masks. Um, uh, he's just kind of stopped doing that finally. 
um, which is great. It's real progress. But uh, he's such a loving, funny, insane little dude. I love him. Every day he makes me laugh so hard. He has so so much love and hilarity to give. But then what we started to notice that is in popular media, um, people were always um, the villain is always someone. Um, or if you have a cleft lip, you're a villain. Uh, always. Uh, if a character would pop up and they're not the villain yet, my wife and I would go, that guy's going to be the traitor. Uh, always. And we were always right. Uh, uh, the the only person who is the exception to that is Joaquin Phoenix. Uh, mm. uh, uh, he is the only actor in Hollywood with a cleft lip that uh, typically gets to play whatever he wants, but that's just due to the caliber of who he's become through mm-hmm. life. Um, but otherwise, uh, if we're watching any horror movie, anything, uh, and and if they want to make someone like the horror creature or whatever, and you'll see it even in creature makeup big cleft you know and you're like okay yeah um and it's uh it's disheartening uh because we know our son is going to really start acknowledging that soon and that facial difference means um you're the monster and that's not true whatsoever more often than not um uh that's not true in life that a scar uh doesn't turn you evil um uh it's abuse <laughs> that turns yeah. evil yeah uh so yeah it's just uh so you know i posted this article that was really well written um about a um a man's uh, personal experience with facial differences and how he sees it in popular media um and uh i think it's very important that when people are writing that they kind of move away from that trope uh that uh it's about the person's personality their how they grew up um now if they grew up and they were heavily abused because of having a facial difference um i well i think that story's been told a lot already it's kind mm-hmm. of overtrodden ground yeah. and honestly that's not ever really the case um having a facial difference and being abused about it i've seen doesn't typically make you a villain it makes uh because we've taken our son out to um facial difference camps and stuff and what it does is it makes you sad to be Mm -hmm. abused about it It doesn't make you a killer no no (laughs) um um and uh it just makes you a victim of bullying Mm -hmm. um but uh yeah, so, you know, it's just making sure that our son, it'd be really nice if our son could see somebody with a cleft, um, even a bilateral cleft like he had, uh, or the scars of the bilateral cleft as a hero. So far, ever yeah, seen it. We definitely need it, and that's why I wanted to highlight this. I think it was something that's never been on my mind, unfortunately, and I'm glad you're speaking out about it, so... If anybody out there is making a new character, a villain, uh, think twice and maybe think about your your hero as well and who they yeah. are and what they represent. So, Yeah, thank you. Okay, well, we're at time. Thank you so much, Ryan, for uh, going on this journey with me. I hope people can gather good insights from this. It's been a great conversation. I want to keep talking forever, but unfortunately, we <laughs> can't do that. But perhaps we will have yeah. you back on another time. I would, I would love to come back. Thank you for having me. And this was uh, really, really fun to do. Cool. Thank you so much, Ryan. Okay.
thank you so much for making it to the end of this podcast with me. I need more people to talk to. So if you enjoyed this conversation, you can see yourself in that seat, talking to me, exposing yourself to the world, hopefully getting opportunities through it or just getting a connection out of it. Please message me. I need more people to come on this show and I would be happy to have you 